Part Two, Chapter Two of Life and Lillian Gish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Peter. Life and Lillian Gish by Albert Bigelow Payne. Part Two, Chapter Two Griffith's Group of Players. The silent drama had gone a good way by 1912, but had still a good way to go. There was not much yet in the way of sets, elaborate construction of scenic effects. Griffith had invented, or perfected, the fade-out, the cut-back, and other devices still in common use. But he had built no castles, or world cities, no Bethulias or Babylons, had marshaled no battling armies. The Fourteenth Street studio was just a room, where one rigged up, as simply and inexpensively as possible, the hastily knocked together properties required at the moment. The costume wardrobe was notable for its scantiness, a collection to be picked over hopefully, and made to do, or supplemented from a costumer's. Griffith had a curious old collector man, always on the lookout for good things, which were not always convincing. Too often the players had the appearance of being dressed up in whatever they happened to have, which was precisely the fact. It did not matter. Neither the public nor the producers took the movies very seriously, as yet. Nor would they, for a year or so to come. They were still a cheap form of entertainment, something to be seen for ten or fifteen cents, even in the Nickelodeons. The French were doing it better then. Some of their films— their farces especially were very good light chic they were miles ahead of us in costume scenario settings everything until it became a question of money ah there we had them and then the war came but i digress an ancient sin this is not a history of the motion picture but only the story of a little girl who grew up in a kind of dream a land of make-believe, who wandered at last into a still more shadowy realm, became a picture-player, by and by a grand artiste with the world at her feet, who one day, in the fabric of her life, found me waiting to tell about it, and said, Oh, very well, if you think it worth while. And I did, and do, think it worth while, and will let it go at that. Sometimes Griffith took them out on location, and those were joyous days, for it meant green fields and running brooks and wooded hillsides, though sometimes the work was strenuous, even wet, when one had to fall into the cold water and be rescued, especially when it had to be repeated a dozen times or so to get it just right. On the whole, those were good days, picnic days. Griffith's group of players was a notable one. Besides Mary, Lillian, and Dorothy, he had Blanche Sweet, the Biograph Blonde, a real star, melting, luscious, Miriam Cooper, Mary Alden, Robert Heron, Henry Walthall, Lionel Barrymore, most of them young twenty years ago, had to be, to play anything like youthful parts, for all the indoor lightings were from overhead, the shadows were harsh and black, every line and wrinkle showed. There could be no retouching of the tiny film faces. The screen presented them not only as they were, 
but worse than they were, their defects magnified. Young girls like Mary and Lillian, even Dorothy, took grown-up parts. The fairer and smoother their skin, the better the general result. Slender youth had its disadvantages. Lillian was one day cast for the part of a vigorous young woman. The later, popular boy form was not yet appreciated. The public demanded a certain opulence in its heroines, especially in what was irreverently known as their upper works. Griffith regarded Lillian thoughtfully. "'I'm afraid you're too young,' he commented. "'Not filled out quite enough.' It was just luncheon time. The girls said nothing, but presently dashed out, and down 14th Street, to a place where, in a show window, they had noticed the desired contours for sale. Substantial ones, firm and ample, of buckram. A bite to eat, a trip to the dressing room, and they were ready. Griffith, considering his cast, took another look at Lillian, rubbed his eyes, decided that after all, she would do. Thus was wrought the miracle of 14th Street. End of Part 2, Chapter 2